0: You're listening to Under a Pile of Books, and in this episode, I sit down with Travis Riddle, author of Balaam Spring, Wondrous, The Narrows, and the soon to be released Spit and Song. We have a wide ranging conversation, all of it is fun and interesting. Uh, I hope you enjoy listening to us as much as I enjoyed getting the opportunity to talk to Travis. Hey, everyone. I'm here with Travis Riddle, author of a bunch of books that I have enjoyed, uh, Balam Spring, The Narrows, Wondrous, and uh, his newest, which is releasing soon in November here, Spit and Song. So welcome, Travis. Hello.
1: Thank you for having me on here.
0: Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So uh, I'm pretty sure you get this first question an awful lot, but uh, what – kind of uh inspired you to become an author what's sort of the inspiration or motivation behind that
1: um I mean I don't really remember at this point I've been writing uh books of some sort since I was like I don't know I guess like in middle school or like elementary school even maybe um I one of my first big projects was a uh, I was like writing a novelization of Final Fantasy 9. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: That's awesome.
1: <laughs> I thought I would do it as a four-part series, one for each disc, of course. Um, I finished disc one, and I got a little bit into disc two, and it just kind of petered off for whatever reason. Uh, probably because it was not very good. I don't. I wouldn't think. I was probably like eleven or twelve when I was doing that. Um, and before that, I was like writing stuff like on pieces of paper and like drawing my own pictures and like stapling the books together. And like, for some reason, my, one of my projects was like a somehow simultaneously ripping off Osmosis Jones and Samurai Jack uh, <laughs> with the really good and uh, unique title of Samurai Joe.
0: Oh, there you go. Obviously.
1: Yeah. It was its own totally different and unique thing because it was Joe
0: that's not derivative in any way.
1: No, no. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I've been I've just been writing things for as long as I can even remember. so I've, I don't know what the inspiration was. I was like telling stories, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. That's that's really cool though. and actually, uh, write, writing the novelization of Final Fantasy IX, uh, I I'd, I'd actually forgotten. Uh, until you said that, that it came on multiple discs. Um, yes. Because the last, the last time I played it, it was <laughs> like on a, you know, like uh whatever, a digital download, you know, on right. whatever. Yeah, so, I played uh, it on
1: Switch this year. Just one single little download. Right, yes. Yeah, Not having to, like, yep. pause it and put in different discs back in the good old days.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, I remember all of uh, Squaresoft's games were we like that.
1: Um, I, w- I was always ter- – even though it worked every single time, I was always terrified that I was going to, like, take the disc out and it was going to break my save and, like, I was going to lose all of my progress.
0: Oh, I, yeah, I, no, I, absolutely. I have
1: no idea how that tech worked still. I mean, I'm an idiot, so that's probably part of it, but I have no <laughs> idea how that even functioned. I,
0: it's It's actually amazing to me what they did with the PlayStation, like, just how much they – they managed to get out of that as a system in comparison to maybe like, you know, the PlayStation 3 or yeah, uh, PlayStation sure. 4 or whatever. So, um, but no, that, that that's really cool. And obviously, uh, Final Fantasy has uh, played a role in uh, inspiring, uh, you know, some of your, your world building anyway mm-hmm. in um, Balam uh, Spring as well as in Spit and Song because they they take those two take place in the same world.
1: Yeah, now because now that I said the Final Fantasy thing out loud, it feels very on the nose that <laughs> it ended up being such a big influence.
0: So, one of those uh, kind of influences is Final Fantasy, but you've written a number of standalone books set in either our world or other worlds, or uh, you know, uh, kind of some combination of, of the two. Mm-hmm. So in addition to, uh, the inspiration from, from Final Fantasy, what other, um, influences have come into your work or maybe what commonalities to your process have you used between sort of all of your books?
1: Um, I think my, a lot of my inspirations, I guess, tend to be, video games rather than mm-hmm. anything else like Final Fantasy with Balam and Spit and Song and then with uh the Narrows I kind of really latched onto some imagery from like Bloodborne actually. Um have you played Bloodborne?
0: I actually haven't. It's it's one of the games that's been on my I have a whole separate like. I have a ridiculous TBR. I also uh-huh. have whatever the video game <laughs> equivalent of that is.
1: Right. Uh, well, I guess I won't spoil this one part for you. But there's there's just one specific part of Bloodborne that was like one of the like the coolest, biggest moments of the game to me, and it ended up kind of like influencing some of the one of the scenes in uh the Narrows. Um yeah and aside from that, uh, the process I kind of just like <clears throat> there there's usually like some kind of image that I think of that I really like that that ends up getting like a story written around it like with mm. with wondrous I first was envisioning it as like a a graphic novel um that I would write and someone else would draw since I can't draw if you saw Samurai Joe you would know that I cannot draw very well. Um, <laughs> but like the image for that I just well I don't know. it's well that's also kind of a spoiler for wondrous I guess. Um, but just kind of like this little kid with like all of this stuff just like pouring out of his head, you know, mm, uh, like this yeah. fantastical stuff and just like just like very literally like spilling out of him. And that ended up turning into to wondrous, and then with the narrows, um, I won't get into, too specific because it's gross and also a spoiler. But uh, <laughs> the throat, just uh, since I know you've read it, the the throat yeah. stuff, um,
0: the main
1: the main throat scene, I guess, was the big image that I had in my head before I did that one. Um,
0: which is also just a scene, the way you describe that has uh, stuck with me. Uh, since, since I read that uh, both, (laughs) I I guess, I guess that's, I mean, that's that's mostly good, but it's also kind of, you know, disturbing. So,
1: yeah. So so usually like images are where I start. And then as I like tend to flesh things out, I, they kind of just all, the only thing that stays consistent throughout each book's writing process is just some kind of, uh, Exploration of some—I don't even know how to put it—some <laughs> just emotional turmoil that yeah, I'm going through at right. the time. Yeah, they're all very, they're all very fantastical and weird, and sometimes gross, but they're all like very personally inspired by whatever is going on at the time with me.
0: That's that's really cool, and actually, I think it's it's one of the things that probably gives your uh, your novels the emotion, uh, and the emotional impact that, you know, I think they have. Um, and that's, you know, going back to, to, to wondrous or, or whatever that, that has a lot of, um, I think emotion that comes across very clearly in terms of what the, the main character is wrestling with and struggling through. And, um, I, I just, I think that makes them, uh, in, in some ways really, uh, kind of just having a powerful impact, um, on readers. And, uh, so, Thank so you. I, I really like that. Um,
1: Thank you. Cause when I'm, when I'm writing them, I have no idea if it is going to make sense to anybody, but me, or even be relatable to anybody except for me. So I'm very, I'm very glad to hear you say that.
0: So your most recent novel uh, is spit and song uh, mm-hmm. coming out here in uh, in November. so this is this is kind of an adventure fantasy um, with uh, some laughs uh, with plenty of misadventure, but but also with that that emotional uh, impact that we were just talking about. So mm-hmm. uh, for you, what what inspired this one? Because to me, it's it's a little bit it's a little different than than anything you've you've done before, just in terms of some of the characters and that kind of thing
1: yeah um well, when I like I like I said a, a second ago, everything starts out with just like the actual um, I guess like the the bones of the actual story, all the fantastical stuff I wanted I wanted it to be like some sort of adventure because the last book I wrote in this world, um Balam, it all took place in one town, and it was kind of dreary i guess in a way um and so i wanted this to be i wanted it to span like the whole country i wanted it to be i wanted the locales just be very different than balaam i wanted there to be multiple locations um Mm -hmm. i wanted it to be more of a like a romp and not so depressing like my last three books were (laughs) Uh, um and yeah and so it started as like a it started as a much more direct follow up to Balam. Like, uh, Ava was going to be one of the supporting characters in this one, and her brother was going to be a main point of view character. And um, it was going to be like, uh, you know, how at the end of Balam, it kind of like planted a seed that there was like something going on with her brother.
0: Yeah, right. And she was right. going to
1: go meet him. So this was going to be like the story of whatever was going on with him. Um, and then some other characters. There was there was going to be a quorum, like whatever what eventually turned into Puck, and Ava was going to have a love interest. Um, and so like some of the bones of the story were the same about like this group of people going on this journey to like find this object, but it ended up evolving a lot as I was like outlining it, and obviously Ava and Sven kind of got dropped. Um, And then, like, Ava's love interest ended up being, like, a main character instead, and then I kept the quorum. And then I ended up making it be, like, 30 years later rather than, like, a week later. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so I just—I wanted it to be, like, some adventure sort of heist kind of thing. And then as I started to write it, as always, I realized there was some theme that I was actually writing toward about, like— Creativity and trying to like achieve mm-hmm. like goals within your like creative expression and tying it into like financial stuff and just like the, I don't know, kind of like the futility that I guess some creative people can feel toward their like projects.
0: Sure. Yeah. Which
1: was kind of something that I was uh, struggling with for, for a long while like for the past year or so just
0: mm.
1: you know just like how hard it is to like go through all that effort and, and time and spending money and just everything pouring so much into like these projects and thinking that maybe it might not be worthwhile and that you know there's not really going anywhere um and so that's kind of what the book ended up being about to me anyway <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, well, and I think uh, I think you did an excellent job of, of crafting that. And one one of the the things that I loved um, about Spit and Song, sort of on that kind of on that very theme, was the way that that um, Puck and Callie sort of they they kind of function almost as foils for one another, mm-hmm. um, particularly in the way that they're uh, dealing with. Uh, sort of uh, coming into their own and um Puck maybe more so than Callie with the, the the creativity side of it but with Callie still attempting to accomplish her goals and actually um make of her life what what you know she wants it to be or whatever mm mm-hmm. mhm uh, so they, they really, in some ways, I felt like operated as foils for one another. And I was curious to know if that was intentional from the beginning, or did that sort of develop as you wrote, or at some point in the editing process, or how did that kind of come to be?
1: Yeah, once, um, I guess it kind of developed over time. I, uh, once I realized, like, what the theme I was going for was, um, it became very intentional with, like, Basically, the two of them, like, representing two sides of the same coin with, like, Callie still being very driven and determined and, like, willing to do whatever it takes to, like, accomplish the goals that she's setting out for. Mm -hmm. And then Puck being the other side of just, like, feeling like everything he's done has not really been worthwhile. Um, He'd rather – Um, he doesn't really want to put forth the effort anymore kind of – just kind of, like, I'd rather just hang out and have fun rather than put myself out there, rather than, like, put all this money towards this or that, put all this effort into everything, which I feel like – I mean, I know I feel this way a lot. And I'm sure other authors do, too. Of just, like, there's there are a lot of times when, like, I would just rather play a video game than, like, write anything.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Like, I just, like – I, have, I only have so much free time, and sometimes I just want to like I just want to enjoy myself and just relax, you know. So Puck kind of like represented that that side of it, while Callie is still just like go go go. I'm gonna do whatever I need to do at all times. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and I really I, I I love the way that that interaction between the two of them led to just some. Um, I thought especially as the the novel went on, led to some really cool and at times tender interactions between the the, the two of them. So,, um, yeah, that was that was an aspect of the novel that I I, I really enjoyed. Um, and And you know, everyone, uh, if you're you've been kind of listening to us talk about spit and song and it sounds interesting, to you you should totally go uh, check it out uh, you can read uh, my review which is up on fantasy book review and uh, there are some, my review and a couple others up on goodreads uh, check it out and uh, go uh, grab the book as well because it's a fun one so
1: even if it doesn't sound interesting to you go ahead and just go grab a copy of it. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> why <right>. not
0: <laughs> that's right why not why not Um, So Travis, uh, many of your characters, really in all of your books, but this continues to be true in in Spit and Song, uh, are from races that are very unlike humans in in terms of their physical characteristics. In Spit and Song, whether you're talking about the Karm or you're talking about the uh, centripts or or others – Mm-hmm. How do you go about crafting such unique races for your worlds Because that's it really is something unique in in fantasy. Um, it's actually almost something that we might see more in some science fiction, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, h- how do you go about crafting such unique races?
1: Um, I just I've I've always been very interested in like very unhuman nasty stuff like in movies and games (laughs) and stuff like that like in pan's labyrinth i love the fawn i love the the pale man with those nasty little eyes in his hands um in mass effect all my favorite characters are like just the aliens rather Mm -hmm, than mm -hmm. i don't care about any of the humans really um and especially in mass effect i don't remember what see this all comes back to video games again i just keep referencing video games um I can't remember what the race is called in Ma- in Mass Effect but have you you've played the game the series Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh yeah.
1: That that like one race that's like I think they're I think they walk on all fours or maybe they're just bipedal but they like don't speak or something.
0: Oh they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're
1: like all gray, I think. Mhm. Mhm. I don't remember. I was I was always very I was very fascinated by those guys and I I like wanted to know more about them. When I played that, because i thought, because just like the less human and more weird it was, the more interested I was mm-hmm. in it. And in a lot of fantasy I was reading lately, I felt like people, like people were just not, it's like it's all humans still. Right. Even yeah, though yeah. like it's like we can do, we can do whatever we want. And like if it's not a human, then it's like just an elf or something or whatever they call their elf race. That's not the word elf.
0: <laughs> um, yes right is it oh my <laughs> gosh that's so true um
1: and so like when i read perdito street station last year which has a ton of very weird different races it was like the biggest like eye opener for me that like hey we actually like we can make like very weird races in these books and i feel like we should and so I decided, like, the next thing I wrote, I wanted there to be, like, a lot of, like, very non-humanoid races in it. So, like, with the faith, like, I wanted the faiths to be, like, flower people. So, I didn't want them to have, like, the same um, eating habits as humans.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, So, I made them, like, sustain themselves on, like, sunlight and, like, sugary f- foods rather than meat or any other normal foods with the ujass I wanted that was just me being as nasty as I I could be um <laughs> I won't like describe them really because I feel like meeting one in the book is like one of the big fun moments in it mm-hmm. but
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah with that I just I I wanted some s- s- very weird striking gross image um for him that's just, like, not really anything that you've seen in a book before. Um, and the same thing with the centrips. I just wanted something big and nasty. is a big, nasty bug that um, is just, like, completely, like, not human. Like, they can't sit in chairs. They are just giant centipedes with hundreds of arms and legs. Um... No faces really. They don't talk the same as us. They don't wear jewelry the same. They don't really wear clothes. Same with the Ujats. Um I don't know if I'm even answering your question. You said, "How do I craft them?" Uh, <laughs> I don't. I guess it really, is the answer. I don't know. I just I wanted like something. I just wanted really weird, gross things. Is really what it comes down to. I wanted the book to be really weird and gross. <laughs> so that was my guiding light
0: yeah well and i mean i think i think you've definitely succeeded so <laughs>
1: Good. Good.
0: Um, but i do i love i love how unique uh the races are and and th- this is true not only in spit and song but uh in Balam obviously and uh even to some extent uh in in wondrous and in, in some of the the different characters we meet there they're they're definitely mm-hmm. A unique and not not sort of the same fantasy fair that we get, which which I agree 100% is can can often feel like uh, humans and elves, but we're not calling them elves anymore. Uh, You know, we're gonna call them whatever we can come up with, uh, but they're just really they're just Tolkien elves, right? Um, Yeah, and the,
1: the big thing I wanted to do also was to establish like I guess like very clear like, rules about how the different, how they act, what they, like, eat, what, just basically, like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's why I wanted Callie's, like, eating habits to be commented on kind of, like, several times throughout the book, because then, like, if we're in her perspective, I really wanted it to be clear, like, how different she is from, like, what a human protagonist would be and, like, what their needs would be, because then... If it's not different, then like, what is the point of her being the main character and not just making her a human?
0: Yeah, oh, sure. Well, and and uh, again, something really unique about um, Spit and Song is you've got both of the viewpoint characters are non-human.
1: Yep, I was very uh, and, anti-human in this book.
0: <laughs> well, and but and they're they're significantly like non-human meaning they they're not like uh you know an an elf or something as mm-hmm. as the main viewpoint character uh you know they 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 really are non-human races that are as you said different whether that be in terms of their their eating habits their physical appearance their uh, all of that and I, to to me that that that's a really cool thing so Thank you. Um, Yeah, yeah,
1: that's that's why I made use of Puck's eye stalks so much also that (laughs) Mm -hmm. I fear if he if he looks so distinct, then I really want to like drive that home and have it like serve some kind of purpose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it does. And, uh, I, again, I just, I, to me that, that helps just bring the whole world, um, to life. And, uh, it's something I really enjoy in, in fantasy. And I, I absolutely loved about, uh, spit and songs. So, um, so yeah, thank you for, uh, for doing that because <laughs> I don't get to read a lot of, uh, kind of non-human interesting, uh, races, uh, often in, in fantasy.
1: Me neither. I hope it comes up more often.
0: Yeah, I, I would love that. I would love that. Maybe you can, you know, inspire, you know, a bunch <laughs> of other people. Anyone listening to this, go go write stories with lots of interesting <laughs> non-human races. So. so if you could have dinner then with any character from fantasy literature, who would it be and why? <sighs>
1: I feel like my – I don't know. My answer is probably going to be kind of boring compared to other people you've had on here uh, just because, like – I guess I don't really have, like, a good reason other than just because I, like – I really like them. But I would love to to sit down with uh, Byron from the Books of Babel.
0: Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that would be <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I don't have like a very strong reason beyond like I just think Byron is very cool and I like him a lot. <laughs> I just want to be near him and know more about him. And he's just such a, like a polite little man that uh, well, not man, I guess, but you know, I just feel right. like he'd be a good person to to sit and eat with and just have a good conversation with.
0: Leave it to you to choose the uh, the, the the non-human. Uh, yeah, of course. You know? <laughs>
1: that's probably. I mean, that's why he's like my favorite character in that series because he's like the weirdest one, and so I want to like know more
0: about him. Sure, sure. Well, that, that I mean, I'm I'm actually to to me that that's a, that's a really interesting answer, partially because just he is kind of a uh, you know a cool character, and I I think that would be kind of really fun um but it's also interesting because i don't know if anyone else has named uh any characters from like a contemporary series that Mm. is uh still being finished like most of them for, for obvious reasons have been classic characters from you know pratchett or tolkien or um other uh either classic authors or maybe maybe authors that are uh still living and writing, but, but mm-hmm. from just very well-known, uh, series or that kind of thing. So I, uh, I like the Byron pick. That's, <laughs> that's good, man. That's, that's unique. So.
1: I mean, I love Byron. I guess also I would have to admit that, um, I mentioned earlier in the interview that I'm an idiot. Uh, <sighs> and I, I haven't really read like a ton of the classics. So I don't really have those to draw on. <laughs>
0: sure. Sure. No, but that, okay. but, but that's, that's, to me, that's the wonderful thing about fantasy, right? Cause you don't have to enter with, you know, Tolkien or Eddings mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, Williams or whoever, right. You can, you can enter with Josiah Bancroft and that's a great right. place to get into it. Or, you know, you can enter with Brandon Sanderson or with, uh, you know Brian McClellan or uh, Brian Staveley or whoever, right? You can literally jump in anywhere uh, mm-hmm. in the fantasy genre and get something awesome that just tells tells these tremendous stories. So,
1: right. If you wanna if you wanna know something that'll probably uh, alienate me from a lot of people listening and will probably cause people to not want to check out any of my stuff, the uh, the only Tolkien I have ever read is. Um, what year did Return of the King come out? Like two thousand three. I no, guess I would have been yeah. yeah. I guess I would have been like eleven at the time, um, and so I decided it'd be a really good idea to start reading the book Return of the King while I was on my way to the movie theater to see the movie. <laughs> so, I, so I read about like half a chapter on my way to the theater before going to see the movie. Um, and young me did not really enjoy the writing style at all, <laughs> but I loved the movie, so I just I never went, went back to the book.
0: Yeah, right, right, uh, right.
1: And I that's all I've ever read of any of his stuff.
0: Yeah, well, and and to be completely fair, like I love Tolkien, but I fully admit that you know his writing style is very much a 1940s 1950s you know writing style um and really he's not like you know, most of our conversation tonight, a lot of my conversation with people revolves around characters. And as much mm-hmm. as I enjoy characters in Tolkien, his story is one hundred percent like a world building story. It's Amelia's story about right. you know this world and this mythology that he's building and these legends that he's building. It's more about that than the characters themselves. So it's mm-hmm. a very different sort of book than uh, than what we get today. And you know, again, I, I love Tolkien. Uh, I, I think he's, he's tremendous, but I totally understand how people, um, y- you know, sort of c- coming upon him today are like, why do people love this guy so much? Cause this seems really yeah. kind of, you know, the, the, the language is all, you know, formal and, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not really, I mean, there's action in it, but it's definitely not like an action packed, like we think of kind of, um books today or whatever so yeah i, I totally yeah. can understand that
1: i complete yeah i completely bounced off that as an 11 year old and uh
0: <laughs>
1: just yeah there's just like there's so much out there now that is and obviously like seeing having seen the movies and like how well done they were i just at no point ever really felt like the need to go back to the books when there was like so much else to read that like I don't know the story of and is also written in a way that to me is more engaging. Well, yeah. Yeah. So it's not like I don't have anything against Tolkien, but I just, it's just one of those things I never really got around to.
0: Yeah. Well, and and that's, you know, like to, to me uh, saying that someone has to read, uh, Tolkien in order and and you know and enjoy Tolkien or whatever in order to be a fantasy fan is is a little bit like saying that you have to read um you know um Alexander Dumas's you know uh the count of Monte Cristo or or mm-hmm. something to be a fan of of um uh, dramatic revenge stories or something right it's you you can yeah. enjoy modern books that that you know, are written in that kind of subgenre or whatever, um, without. And someone's going to get mad at me for referring to *The <laughs> Count of Monte Cristo* as, as genre fiction. But anyway, <laughs> um, you know, it's it, it's still like you don't necessarily have to go back and read mm-hmm. the book that started it all for a particular style of story uh, in order to to be a fan of that style of story. So.
1: Right. I'm going to alienate more people and make even more people hate me with this next part, but it's, it's kind of like how I feel about uh, the Beatles, where like, I appreciate what they did and how they have influenced music uh, as a whole, but I have no interest in listening to them, ever.
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> someone um there there have been several folks who've who tried to get me into like different like classical bands or whatever uh-huh. and, and i just like it's fine if it comes on the radio but it's not necessarily my cup of tea um so i i, I kind of hear what you're saying there so <laughs> um so now for for folks that you have managed not to completely alienate uh with Mys- your myself. comments on just on and tolkien <laughs> and, and the beatles uh-huh. <laughs> where, where, can, uh, where can those folks you have not alienated uh, find you online or find your books online?
1: Um, for all info about my books and links to buy them, either in paperback or ebook or audiobook in the case of Balaam and the Narrows, um, you can go to travismriddle.com. That's M as in Moore or Michael, which is my middle name. Um, <laughs> More probably a more common word to use there. Um, yeah, all my info is on there, including a merch store and a little blog and stuff like that. And just for updates or s- general thoughts from me, um, my Twitter and Instagram are both at TravisWantEat. So check those out and follow those for good, good content. <laughs>
0: Excellent content everyone. Go follow <laughs> uh-huh. go follow Travis and uh definitely uh go check out uh his website and uh check out his books and uh if you obviously if you've read his stuff before then you know uh, Spit and Song is great and uh, and worth it and you need to check it out and if you haven't uh, read his stuff before, then uh, go check it out because uh, I've enjoyed all four of his novels and I'm really looking forward to Spit and Song being uh, being out for uh, everyone else to be able to enjoy as well. So, uh, Travis, thank you so much for, for being willing to come on with me. Thank you for inviting me
1: on here and for uh, sharing so much of the, the book with people on Fantasy Book Review and Twitter and Goodreads and everywhere.
0: Absolutely. It's all my pleasure.